Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hello, Mark Homer here, and welcome to my podcast, Mark My Words. Um, I've got a very special interview for you here with Neville Wright. You know, this 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 is this this session is going to be really really interesting because Neville has got more experience in property and in business than I can think of in terms of anybody anywhere around this area. Uh, he's got more property, had bigger businesses, um, and probably been doing it, you know, longer than any of us. So this is the interview for me at the moment and um, you know I'm really excited so thank you for thank you for coming Neville well thank you there's uh, no pressure there is there <laughs> <laughs> so just a bit of history Neville bought his first house at, at 16 am I right yeah um, grew up totally dyslexic didn't even know how to spell his own name left school at 15 and uh, effectively grew a series of businesses he had um, ba- baby or childcare businesses selling products to mothers um, he had a series of those, and in the end, he, he sold the last one for £70 million pounds to, uh, to a, ma- a major multiple retailer. So by the age of 34, Neville was a millionaire, and he could have retired at, at that point. So success came early, and it wasn't really, um, he, you know, he, he obviously could have stopped, but it's pretty clear that he didn't want to stop and, and wanted to, you know, to continue to grow, because as we know a lot of this is about the journey and, and the growth rather than kind of you know I'm there I'm a millionaire I'm going to sit on the beach because um, often the dream is better than the reality there <laughs> so growing up in, in, in Peterborough you had a, an entrepreneurial streak right from an, a young age and I guess you know the fact you, you know problems reading writing all that sort of stuff spurred you on in some ways it certainly did, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, so I, I, I suppose um, not being able to read and write early in the early days, you know, spurred you on to some degree and I understand you very much into personal development, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins. Um, you listen to a lot on Napoleon Hill and you have over £100 million worth of property. So very, very exciting. So Neville, tell me, what got you into property specifically? Well... It was very simply, I wanted a house to live in. So, and I didn't want to rent anywhere. And um, so we bought our first house, but we had to buy it with cash and had to save up for uh, quite a time to, um, to buy the house. So we couldn't get a mortgage in 1966, 67, couldn't get a mortgage. And uh, instead of going for everybody's dream house which was a, a new house at those times at, at two and a half thousand three thousand pounds we had to go to the bottom end of the market and buy something derelict and because we bought a derelict house uh, 650 pounds 650 pounds it was up for a thousand and ninety five the only reason we got it for 650 is because that's what we offered <laughs> uh, when i was when i got 400 pound we was offering 400 pound and so on so don't be afraid to offer, because you never know what the circumstances are with the seller. So uh, we got this house, and uh, no water or no, or nothing in it. It was just a, a shell, and we renovated it. So that's what started us through needing a house. We was going to get married, and we needed a house to live in. And um, being tight, not wanting to spend my money hard-earned money on rent and uh, and then it grew it just grew on us because after we renovated it we sold it for 2100 pounds and we got a much better house so instead of a terrace house we changed a terrace house into a semi-detached house which was also derelict so we sold the renovated one at 2100 pounds and bought the derelict one at £2,000. So again, we started going up the ladder, but that's the only way we could do it at the time. So that's what spurred us on to uh, to get onto the property. 
So I suppose it's, it, it's it's similar today, really, isn't it? If you go and buy a new house or a new car, it, it depreciates a little bit. You know, the real value is buying the... Uh, where, where there's, mu- there's money. Yes. Uh, buying the ugly house and, and, and renovating it and, um, and adding the value. So, um, yeah, you've, you've followed the principles of, you know, which I suppose a lot of people have, but you really started to supercharge it, didn't you? Because you, you kept on putting it back in and buying bigger and bigger ones. Yes, when you, you, you hit the nail on the head where I've done something that most people have done. And, the, and I think there's a difference because most people buy a house as a home and uh, not an investment in a, in, in a way, not, not to realise any money out of it. But we didn't want a terrace house we wanted a semi-detached. So that was a way to get it. We didn't want a semi-detached once we'd got it. We wanted it detached. So the only way to do it was to renovate that semi, sell it for a price, and buy a detached cheaper. So then we didn't want just a detached. We wanted a bigger house. And then we wanted a new house. And so where most people buy a house and they stay in it, we've got itchy feet because we wanted the next, the next. And that was the only way we could do it because we couldn't afford to buy our dream house for a start. So we had to go through these stages, one step at a time to get there. So you were almost like buying in the trade space and then renovating and making, putting it into the retail yes. space. Yes, And. Um, yeah, finding a way to kind of realise your dreams but without having to spend the same amount of money and investing along the way. So, yes. yeah, that's that's really interesting. So, just moving on to your your business, your trading business, because the last one you sold was called Kitty Care, but before that you had a, a couple more, didn't you, at, at least of a similar type? We, we sold four nursery businesses along the way. So the last one was 70 million cash. The others wasn't so much, but there was significant at the time when we sold them. The first one we sold in 1979. So we'd built a a business from 77 to 79, and uh, it was expanding. But in those days, there was no internet, and you could uh, build a business one side of town and sell it as a going concern and go to the opposite side of town and you've got different clientele. Mm, interesting. And there was, there was with, the, with no internet, it was different world. Yeah, different set of people. Yes. It's all very local business world, yes. I presume. Yes. Yeah, and um, yeah, branding was kind of for, for local people, I guess. Yes. When we went into that business, we didn't know a thing about it. This is the nursery business. We didn't know a thing about it but there was four big companies in Peterborough doing new prams and new furniture and stuff like that. And uh, there was lots of businesses that was doing second hand and bits and pieces. So we just thought if they can make a living out of it, we'll, we'll, make, we'll make some money because we'd started an office for the property business and this was just part-time while Marilyn, my wife, hadn't got anything else to do. While That's she wasn't doing the books, she could sell a few second-hand prams. <laughs> and it developed from there, it did. And when we came into the, that business, there was 2,200 shops selling in, in England, and now there's something like 200. Really? So um, it's and completely the, changed. And, and I suppose the, the last one, or the latest one that you've sold, because who knows, you may sell another one up, um, you never know. <laughs> you don't, do you? No. Um, the last one you sold, that, you know, that that obviously grew to be the biggest one and was very much online. But when you started it, I imagine it wasn't online. And no. So what did you do? What were? How did you set it up? How did you start this thing? Are you talking about online or are you talking about just... In, in the ju- early days, well, starting the business. Well, the thing is, you've got to go back to about 1977 when Marilyn started that business. We had a choice, we did. And um, it was very interesting because the day before we opened, somebody opened the door and uh, walked in. And we said to the person, we're not open, we don't open till tomorrow. 
And they said, well, I'm going to the maternity unit. A friend of mine's had a baby and uh, I'd like a present. Would you sell me something? And we go, oh, well, not supposed to, but yes, we will. And they bought something and it was about £2.40, I believe, a dress and something else. And they come to pay. Well, they'd got £3 and we hadn't got any, we hadn't got the till in. So we hadn't got any money, we hadn't got any change. And I said to the person, I'll just make it £2. And they go, well, really? What, you giving me a discount? And I go, yeah. And they said, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. You, you've you know, saved my day and it's really good and thank you very much. And I thought, I made somebody happy. And I thought, I'd like to have that experience again mm. because when you make somebody happy, that's, that's nice. It makes you feel good. Mm. So... We became a, a discounter in 1977 just through that one person being happy. We realised if we was going to make customers happy, that was one way to do it. And so we built our business on somebody coming in and going, you've you know, really made my day. And so everything is like by accident. It is. And we just built that business up from there. You've got to go back to those days when Marilyn decided that she was going to go into that business and she was going to put her heart and her soul into that business. And that, that was it. It wasn't going to be a quick fix for anything because uh, we didn't make any money for the first year, but we, we um, carried on. And um, so one day at a time, one hour at a time, and one minute at a time, every minute of every day that you you are building that business. And these things happen. They, they happen with hard work and dedication and focus because you've got to be focused on what you're doing. And we didn't want to sell every pram in Peterborough, just the next one that was going to be sold. So that was our idea of... Um, if, if you've got somebody standing in front of you, why would you let them go out the door without a pram? If, the, if they came in for a pram, that is. Yeah. So we had to... Selling is quite easy. For us, it was very easy. It was a transference of feeling from us to the customer. If we could transfer our feeling of that product to the customer, then they would buy it. So... Deep down, it's got to be a genuine feeling, and you've got to, you've got to think who is going to be the winner in this transaction. And if you feel the customer is going to be the winner in this tra transaction, you will be the winner as well. If you felt I'm going to be the winner, then you've not got a business. Mm. It the customer comes first, and you must dedicate yourself to that customer. You've got to marry that customer, really. They can divorce you, but you can't divorce them. Yeah. You've got to do everything that there is in a marriage, and I must do that for the customer. That's really interesting. So, for me, you were almost like the opposite of Ryanair, because they're like, <laughs> the, the, you know, it's kind of like the discounter, yes. yeah. but without the, you know, so, yeah, you, you're effectively a discounter, but you were there trying to give great customer service, give people a great feeling, and... You know, it's it's effectively doing both sides of the equation. That that's reminded me in the in yeah. the eighties, people used to come in, and they was kind of fascinated because the shop uh, in the Orton Centre was rampacked with people, like it was in um, in the the early earlier days, which was uh, in the Triangle. Each shop got rampacked, so there's people standing at the door couldn't get in because there was too too many people in the shop. And people used to say every day without fail, "How do you do it?" And go, "Do what?" And they go, "How do you give such good service and a discount?" And I go, "Well, the service is free. Mm. I've got to be here eight hours or ten hours a day. Why shouldn't I give you excellent service? Mm. Why shouldn't all our staff?" give excellent service because the staff used to we had principles and the staff used to understand those principles and it was infectious it was so all of a sudden people would be going are all these people on bonus and go no they do it because they love doing it mm. 
and that really shows through in in, in most businesses because it's almost like you know discounting it it's become a badge of honor hasn't it to provide no service or i don't know you go into some of these american big box discounters and you know it'd be pallets on the floor everything's piled high no one's there to help yes. you you know and, and you're just straight to the till yes and you know that pr- almost proves that it's cheap but it, it does <laughs> and they it's could, unnecessary they could sell a lot more yeah. if they had some service with it and somebody yeah. who knew what they was talking about that's very interesting Okay, so obviously you had your, your, your trading business, but you're also investing as well, weren't you, in, yes. in property and other things? Yes. How did you kind of manage the two things at, at, at once? Well, it's like if you go to a circus and you see a clown and they uh, spin a plate and then you spin the next one, and it was just like that. I could have been a clown in the circus, really, because you'd be spinning the plate and getting the customer service right on the shop and then you'd be uh, spinning another plate because you'd be talking to an estate agent and you'd nip out, you'd make sure everything's all right in the shop and then you'd nip out and go to uh, have a look at a property and then hopefully buy that property and then come back to the shop. And one of the things, how we did it, how we got used to spinning so many plates at the same time was we had to put rules in place. And one of the rules was that we wouldn't buy any property that was any more than 10 minutes by car away from the shop. The shop was the office. So if it was more than 10 minutes away by car, you can forget about it because we couldn't control it. We did buy some properties once 40 miles away and it was a disaster because we hadn't got time to service it. And so therefore we learned with that mistake we did and um, we kept everything very, very tight, so. So effectively, you were, you were kind of managing all these things that are going off all the time. I suppose you had, I don't know, Marilyn maybe there doing the books or doing the figures, you were, yeah, Every, it was kind of all hands to the pump. Everybody that we've employed has worked for the Marvel Group, which is Marvel Properties, yeah. Marilyn and Neville. Yeah. That's where the name comes from, Marvel, and Kitty Care. So people used to use their skills. So we used to say, you come into work for the Marvel Group, which is either the retail side or the property side, and it doesn't matter. So people who came and worked in the warehouse, if they was uh, good at doing maintenance, they used to work on the houses as well. If the people was in the uh, offices, they used to do the bookwork for the property business and so on. So we combined it. And that we combined the premises, the offices, the staff, the equipment. So it was really running two businesses with the overheads of one. And you, effectively you've got better utilisation as well, haven't you? Because when one business doesn't need quite so many staff, you can kind of move them on to yes. that bit over there. Yes. So that that's, must be quite efficient. Yes, yeah. and also the money side of it as well if we had uh, surplus money well we would never had surplus money but it was always being used but the day we got some surplus money we used to buy more stock for the shop if we found a house or a, another commercial property and we needed the money for that then we would just put a sale on in the shop and we bring down the stock and we take them um, money from the stock and put it into the house. We never had a personal bank account until 2010. Really? Yes, because I didn't believe that it would be any good to have surplus money in my account because it might as well be in a house making money or it might as well be in a commercial property or or buying prams Mm. because you can turn those things over quickly and make a profit on them each time. What's the point of having money? Yeah. Personal money. Mm. So you, you can make a much higher return in much. your trading business or yes. in, in an investment property? Yes. Don't have any money in your own bank account. Have it in the business. And then if you want some to buy a car or go on holiday, well, take it out of the business. And at the end of the year, your accountant just adds up in your personal column and that's it so you haven't taken out more and stored it somewhere yeah
If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. it's not working for you every penny was working for us for yeah. that 40 years it still is yeah that's really interesting because um you know i i lived with my mum until i was god 25 and I had 20 properties uh whilst i was still living with my mum that's that's wise that and, is that's um, good you know <laughs> i wish was, i was living with my mum <laughs> I, I was in the box room and you know it um that that was my mentality i easily easily had enough for my own home but uh all my money just went into more properties and yes. into investing in, in business so um yeah I, I i understand that mentality yeah you uh, people are worried they are scared that if they don't have something of their own that uh, there's a problem but if you have a business and you put everything into the business it will grow and it will re you will reap the rewards from it yeah. in the future i think you're very much a long-term thinker aren't you Neville? yes and you know you you know your business is going to be there in 20 years or, or 40 years or yes. whatever because that's and how you've built it unless an opportunity comes along and there's the yeah. right amount of money and yes yeah, yeah. but it is a long-term we we think whatever business we're in, we will be in business. Mm. So that's life, you know, whatever it is. It's interesting. And I guess along the way, you must have had some big kind of setbacks, challenges, things you had to overcome with, with the trading business, with, you, with Kitty Care and its predecessors or with your properties. Just and we still have those problems. We do. And maybe they're bigger problems. They are bigger, they're yeah. bigger problems. So, yeah. so you never know everything. I've just said, keep your, for us, it was keep the houses and um, the property that we bought within 10 minutes. So in 2011, we started a new company um, a, with a, a partnership, JV partnership, and our office is in Northampton and we employ about 30 people in the office. We build houses, and we build them around uh, Milton Keynes, from Milton Keynes to Peterborough and Bedfordshire around that area. So one of our partners found a, 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 a burnt-out hotel in Birmingham, and it was a good price, so we went for it, and we've built 10 flats. We demolished the building, upset a tower which was there, which we thought we was going to demolish and they wouldn't let us demolish it. It's cost half a million pounds to put that tower right. And we've got something like three and a half million pounds worth of property there that's gone well over budget because we couldn't control it because it was too far away. And the property sits there and it's the wrong design. So you make mistakes all the time. And... Um, and how do you overcome them? Oh, well, make a loss, we're going to. And that's, yeah. that's, that's the way it is. But that's what you do. And then yeah, I suppose you just kind of reset your sale a little bit, just work out how to fix that for next time. Don't buy so far away. And, Don't buy so far away. Yeah, and, and control the thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So and, and throughout our lives, there's been that type of thing happening in different areas, buying the wrong stock. It, colours can go out overnight buying the wrong stock and and also renovating properties and putting too much into the property mm. so you spend too much money uh, you put gold taps <laughs> in, in into yeah. a property but if it's a terrace house and the gold taps are worth more than the house then you don't you but you do these things because you get carried away and your heart says let's make this as we would live in it ourselves 
and you make the inside absolutely great and then you look on the outside and that row of houses has got a ceiling and it's only going to be time that um, brings that price up and if you haven't got that time you've you've made a loss so yeah the market market will rise and that creates the growth but once you you can only force force initial kind of capital growth so far you know in relation to the other houses on the street but if you'd have if if you'd have been in something like the progressive community and you could have posted a, a tweet or whatever it is and you go what do you think to this do you think I'm right in doing this or that? And somebody would answer and go, no, you're not right because I've done that and I've made a mistake. So, but there wasn't a community. There wasn't anybody to ask in, in those days, you know, going back 30, 40 years. So now there is, so you can learn a lot more nowadays and make a lot less mistakes. Having said that, we've only just made this mistake. Yeah. And. Um, it was a decision that we all made, but and that's um, it. it I, I imagine that the uh, the upsides of the other decisions you've made... It's uh, a drop in the ocean. ...create uh, <laughs> rather more... Uh, I'm glad to say. ...rather more interesting returns for you. So, um, yes. yeah, that's business, isn't it? Yes, we've made just keep on going. Uh, 100% on, an, on, another one, on lots. We've made 100%. So I've turned 1.8 million in three years into 4.8 million. That's incredible. That's on, a, that's yeah. on a, another another deal. Yeah. So, wow. You that's, know, it's that's amazing. Swings and roundabouts. Of course it is. Okay, and you're not quite so in the nuts and bolts now, I imagine, because you've got a big enterprise versus when you started. So, what do you spend your time doing now? How how is it different? I today this morning I was had two bank meetings meetings with a people from different banks and um, who we invest in and and um, borrow money from and uh, hopefully I've done a deal for 2.2 million today on um, a project and Wednesday we're looking at a six million pound deal and and it goes on so the one of the bank managers said today when are you going to retire, you know, and, and why are you doing it? Or, and I, I need to get a handle on why are you doing it? And the answer was fun. You know, it's, it is, it's in you. I think once you get used to it, and when you're young, you want everything, and you haven't got the money, and when you get older, you've got the money, and you don't really want these things, but you do want the the fun, you want the adrenaline. The thrill of the deal, yes, the yes. excitement of, yes. of getting it. I know how yes. that feels. And, yeah. and creating creating things, yeah. creating more apartments for people to live in, creating houses. We're just doing 70,000 square foot of industrial, and that'll be for 14 people. Well, 14 people will have new business premises by next year. You know, and that amazing, is really, really nice. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And, and, and it's all local, so you yeah. get to go and drive around it, you get to yeah. see it, feel it, touch mm. it, help local people. Yes, so that's nice. Yeah, I can, I can see that. So, so you're, you're mainly involved in your, your property businesses now in development rather than trading businesses, or do you, do you have trading businesses uh, as well? We, we don't... I think we've got a trading business um, somewhere. I was told about it this morning. So you've got a business we have you didn't got, know about. We, we, have, we, have, <laughs> uh, we have got a lot of different businesses. Most of them are in the property world, either uh, building houses or commercial or turning offices into residential and stuff like that. We have then investments in restaurants and uh, quite a lot of restaurant investments and then there's the technology investments so i can give i can enhance those businesses because one of the things along the line that um, i've always liked is uh, cooking and eating and um, so i know what the customer wants and i can put myself into the customer's shoes when designing a restaurant and um, and everything else about that and and also with the technology side, with being in technology and creating probably 
in in the early 2000s one of the best websites there has been then I can help people with that kind of uh, thing again it's it's all customer led what does the customer want it doesn't want to be spending five minutes when it was wants about two seconds to make that decision yeah so so you're kind of you can add value from add a, value. a customer's perspective. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's interesting. And that's what I do. So I sit on boards and um, invest and add value. Okay. And I suppose you see a lot of people starting out as well in business. You must meet them because I know you make investments in businesses and you know, you, you must have some pretty common things you say to them some advice that you give them when they're starting out what what would you say to someone starting the new the new business well what are you doing it for why are you doing it and what what has led you to down this path and why have you chosen that particular thing because if it is just for money you can forget about it you know you've got to have some interest you've got to have a passion you've got to have a a need, uh, people have got to have a need and a want, but you've got to have a need and a want to fulfill that. So if, so if people just focus on the cash, they're unlikely to get the not gonna, It's not going to work. That's an interesting um, distinction, isn't it? Because I'm talking about majority. Yeah, because that, that, that would be the in, initial kind of perception of most people starting out in business. You, you've kind of got to focus on the money and focus on making money, but... You know, I hear this a lot. The, the, to put that in perspective, the site in Birmingham should have made a million pounds. It was no different to any other site that we've got in our control. So it should have made a million pounds, but it was too far away. And, we, and in our area, we've got our carpenters, electricians, plumbers, bricklayers, plasterers. We've got all of them, the ground workers, and they go from one site to another to another. Too far for them in Birmingham. We had to find new crews. And could we find them? No, because we were outsiders. There was working for all the, all the recognised people who are around there. So all we found was the grade B trades, and they made a grade B job. And so, you know, that's... Um, that that's a problem and we was doing it for a million pounds profit and with that in mind just because you can make a million pound on this site and that site doesn't mean every site so we've got a formula because we've got passion and we've got interest and focus but in Birmingham it was too far away and so all that went and it we was only left with a thought of a million pounds yeah. didn't work so we'll lose a million pounds instead of gain. Yeah, so I suppose it's kind of, you know, get really, really good at something within an area and go very deep rather than yes. and go wide. That, um, and then you, you get all your, your contacts, your skills, your trades, and, you know, if you keep it local and, and stick to yes. areas you really know. Then when, when we sold Kitty Care, we, we had one shop with 140 people concentrating it. We had the photographers, we had the video people, we had the, we had the buyers, we had the maintenance uh, on the products, we had everything in there and it was focused. When we left, they decided to take that formula and go countrywide and they opened 10 of these shops. It would never work from day one and they made a 170 million pound loss in three and a half years. That's incredible. What we've got, we've got everything focused in that one massive shop. And what we could do, we could service the whole of the country because of the internet, and we could service everybody within a few hours. And we've got that, we've got the formula right. And they broke the formula. And that was, that was a problem because people think, oh, well, why not take this and put it somewhere else? But the implications are um, vast. Yeah, and I, I suppose if you kind of change things too much, you know, how many years had that business taken to get that good? You know, it was it was decades, wasn't it? It it was. It was thirty odd years. It changed every day, and it yeah. improved every day. But and, you know, and the changing the fundamental things that made it work so quickly, it, and, and before really understanding it, 
was probably their downfall. It it uh, went too fast, too big, disrupted all the staff. So you've only got to take, you've got to take. They took, I think, they took half the staff away that knew everything about the business to put them into other shops, and of course disintegrated the, the original va- one. All the value. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. And you have it? to be, you know, very careful in how you do expand. So. Along the way, you've obviously had a whole stack of experiences. Some will be really unbelievably amazing kind of highs. And and you'll have had some pretty awful times as well. What's been your kind of best and worst experience? Um, I suppose one of the worst experiences is um, somebody's supposed to do a job and I paid them and and I lost £160,000 like in a day because um, I trusted somebody I do trust everybody you are very trusting I, I am you are totally yeah. because yeah. I couldn't get on without trusting yeah. them but you know once or twice uh, you get this and um, so I, I was going to give up you know I'd been screwed for a hundred and sixty thousand pound and this was in the late 90s uh, something like that and I said no I'd, I'm not going to do this anymore. Why should I work? I don't need to work. Why should I do it? And Marilyn goes, well, do you want have a cup of tea? And um, and then after I'd had a cup of tea, I got, I'd had all my managers around me, and I said, that's it, I'm finished. I'm not doing, I'm going. And she said, um, did you want another cup of tea? Or are, are you going? I, says, I said, I'd calm down. I said, no, I've, I, I went into the warehouse, and I got on the fork truck, and I worked, because that's the only way I can get over these things is to work it out and within three months I'd not only got that 160,000 back I'd got another 160,000 on top it happens you know and then that's a bad time but a good uh, a a good thing is very strange um, because one day there was a fire wasn't my fire it was uh, in in a, uh, a warehouse about six miles from where we'd got a hundred thousand square foot warehouse and uh, it was for our warehouse was full of washing machines. I was leasing it to Hot Point on a monthly basis. So within three or four days of this fire, I believe it full of Marks and Spencer's products, um, an agent came to me and said, um, "Do you want to sell that warehouse?" And um, I said, "I haven't thought about it really. How much?" And he offered me a price, and I thought, "I've only had it 18 months or so." And, I've, and if I sell it, I'll have made 1.7 million. And that's what I did. So I bought this. I bought a place for 3 million. I hadn't got 3 million. I took 2 million from the bank. I hadn't got the other million. I'd got 250,000. So I remortgaged my house for the 750. So all I'd done is put 250,000 down. Within 18 months, at 250,000, made 1.7 million. This was after paying the mortgage and the bank all their interest. Yeah. So that was kind of one of your best experiences. And I guess it was a warehouse, you know, B, B2 or B8, you know, and you'd... You, you, you just got it cheap, you got the right tenant yeah. in there and, and somebody yeah. made you a great offer. Yeah, so uh, I put 250000 down of my own money and um, made 1.7 million. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, so these it? things happen. Yeah. They do. You've got to be in it to win it, haven't you? You have, and you've got to, uh, and if you haven't got any money, you've got to start small and you've got to concentrate every minute of every day. Mm. There's um, you know, 1,440 minutes in the day and you've just got to use them. Mm. 86,400 seconds and I intend to use every one (laughs) you see I did ask somebody the other day if money wasn't uh, a an issue what would you do and they said oh well we'd um, uh, we'd pack up work and we would go on and uh, live somewhere with a beach and that and and I think they'd stand it for about a week Mm. but you have to Think of what is your value in life? What are you giving to to the world? I mean, you want something in return. You want value for yourself. But uh, what are you giving in return? You need to understand what drives you, don't you? Yes. And yeah. um, you know what your passions are and and your values and 
and and and then you you get you get back, don't you? I mean, I I hear that a lot, and I've seen it a few times where entrepreneurs have sold big businesses and they've gone and bought a yacht or they've sat on the beach and within six months they're back usually and they realise actually they're a lot less happy than they used mm. to be when they had the business. It's, it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's, a, it's almost putting conventional logic on its head because that's not what most people think. Uh, a lot of people in business, like we were, we were focused on that and the business was driving us. We was driving the business, but the dri- business was driving us as well because it was going so fast. And uh, you don't realise until it's gone that there's all your friends, your colleagues, and then you're not wanted anymore. And then what is there? Mm. And you've got to be very careful because a lot of people who work for 40 years and then retire, die soon afterwards because they're not wanted, they're not needed. Lost their purpose. They've lost they? the purpose, yes. Yeah. So uh, consistency in work is, is, is very good for people. Yeah, it it's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? And in the future, obviously, you're going to be doing some even bigger things, I imagine. I guess you can't tell us about all of them, but could you give us an idea of, of what, 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 what Neville's got in the pipeline? My wife, Marilyn, she said to me the other day, Will you calm down? I can't <laughs> keep up with you, you know. And uh, and um, I said, oh, I'm just so excited yeah. because bec- well, this is brilliant. You know, why are you, like a you know, why are you having five hours sleep? Go because you know I need to get up and get yeah. things done. And uh, but I do what I want to do when I want yeah. to do it. And uh, you know I do sit in my jacuzzi every day, and uh, I do go to the gym every day, and things like this. So I do do what I want to do but my brain is working I like to design buildings I like to do do lots and lots of things yeah so we've got about 45 million pounds worth on the desk at the moment of in, development of development yeah, yeah. Wow. this is yeah. without those houses and without yeah. this is just new stuff in the pipeline what's coming along yeah and um, some some really exciting stuff that's fantastic i mean that's a that's a good chunky mm. pipeline isn't it, it is yeah. yeah very impressive and i guess along the way you've learned a hell of a lot from others and every day yeah we're all still learning aren't we yeah indeed i mean that's got to be a core principle yes yeah. rob's book which one the uh, life leverage Life leverage. The new one, yeah. Yeah, I've started emptying my inbox every day. <laughs> yeah, he said he said yeah. that um, when we was doing the 120 hours thing, and I was there yeah. for a couple of hours. Yeah, the world record. The world record. The world record yeah, yeah. Hit, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah I'd like to do uh, a lot more than a couple of hours, but I really found it good. He said about emptying the inbox every day yeah. and getting it. Uh, no, what he said is Neville writes across here and sitting in the audience and um, I can email him uh, and then I don't get an email back for about three months, you know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, he's right, he's right. And then I read, I bought his book because of the charity and uh, I think, hey, what am I doing? I hear am I talking, I'm having my time, and I'm buying his bloody book as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I read it, and, it and, I, and I read it, and I thought, that's it, from today, I shall empty my inbox. So now I've, I empty my inbox, but I've got uh, inbox pending as well. Yeah. All the things I'm doing the week, yeah. in the week. So, um, yes, so you learn mm. from everybody something, you know, all the time. Yeah. And have you got any other any other books you'd recommend? You know, really, really well, good. Apart ones? from mine. Yeah. <laughs> what's yours called? The answer is yes. Now, what's the question? And it's still coming out, and it's in the next few days. And uh, it, it's about our life in business. Is it? Uh, yeah. From uh, you know the heartache to uh, the hard times and the good times, and and uh, hopefully there's a lot of gems on um, on how to how people can uh, develop their business and uh, well i i know there is because um i read the whole thing on, on a trip to the caribbean yeah you know, i deleted four thousand words since you've read oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah i saw i mean 
it, it certainly inspired me, um, you know, some of the properties you bought over the years. In fact, I, I looked at one of them not so long ago, you know, to try and... I was looking for my own home. Um, it was one, you know, one of your yes. big ones, not, yes. not, not so far away. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, a brilliant read. I'm really looking forward to the, the finished version yeah, so that you. I can... Uh, I can I can glean some more insights. Uh, as for other books, I just I I read so many books and um, and I just I look at things on the internet every day, uh, whether it's for health, uh, inspiration, people doing videos, uh, uh, constantly, and I'm constantly got books around me. And another thing I've I've done since I've read Rob's book is I'm determined now I'm not reading 10 books at a time I'm reading one book right the way through yeah, I do. and um, I, I, I read I was a three or four on the go and halfway yes. through and all yes. that kind of yeah yeah so you know that's you know you're changing all the time you, you do don't you I remember you saying to me um, when you used to you used to live in in Stamford which is where yeah. I live now used to take you 20 minutes to, to go to work every day and you'd listen to a personal development DVD or whatever they were. And I still do. On the way in the car and you still do. That's, that's yeah. it, yeah. So you'd be listening to Zig Ziglar or, or somebody like yeah. that on your journey. Yeah, yeah. so many Yeah, there is. Well, it's, um, it shows. And, uh, you know, where there's, um, where, where there's this kind of, you know, when, when you're learning and when you're actually focusing on listening to that sort of stuff obviously the, the results come and you're a real world example of that number so your top three must do's in business what are they you, well you you must be honest i know you might say it goes without saying but you must look at things as am i doing this whatever i'm doing would i be happy on the other side would i be happy receiving this so whatever kind of business it is, whatever kind of service you're doing, would I be happy? And then if you are, if you put yourself in the customer's shoes, then you know whether you're right or wrong. So um, forgot the question. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Just your must-dos in business. So, you must do. You know, you've, 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 you think things yeah. that you would always, you know, do you, if you started a business. You, uh, apart from you must be honest, which is... You must be honest to yourself as well, and and you go. At why am I doing it? What is the reason that I'm doing it for? And is this a, a short-term goal to eat? Am I just gonna do whatever I can to eat, or to clothe myself and put shelter? You know, and and then beyond that, why am I doing it? And um, throughout business and life, you you tend to go from one path to another, learning. And so never, you'll never stop learning and you mustn't stop learning because if your business stops, and I always say, if going into kitty care in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, you know what it's like. At half past five, six o'clock when you come out, it must have changed. So sometimes there's something that's got to change in that business whereas a thought in your head or something physical, whatever, mental, it's got to change. Your business has to change all the time. So don't go into business going, oh, well, that's it. This is what I do. You know, I've got three houses. I'm getting the rent off them. And that's it. I don't want to do it anymore because you get a lot of people saying, I don't want to do that anymore. The world changes. And for whatever circumstances, whether it's the government or whether it's fate or whatever happens, things will happen and um, and if you haven't learned something every day and and altered the way you do things then um, then it will catch up with you and I would say look out for opportunities and don't be afraid to take opportunities and there's far too many people me included who says should have could have mm -hmm. I didn't do it. I'm one of those. Sometimes. Should have and mm. could have. My father used to say to me when I was four, and he used to take me on his bike, um, and I used to sit in his basket on his bike, and he used to say, see that shop? This was uh, in, in town. I could have had that, but I didn't because I'd got three children and a wife to support, and I didn't take the risk. But that would have been my shop now. And you would, you know, and the children would be in that shop 
and should have. And I said to myself, as I grow up, I will never, ever say should have. But inevitably, in hindsight, mm. I should have done a few things. So it's not always possible, but take opportunities because far too many people see opportunities and they don't take them because they're scared. What's the worst thing that could happen? Mm. And then you ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? And you go from there. Well, the worst thing that could happen to us was we could lose everything. But we was used to living in a 10-foot caravan. So I know I can make a bucket of soup for 20 pence, you know, and I know I can live off the land, and I know if I can, I can live in a 10-foot caravan. So, so that was the backup. I'm glad I never had to. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to do that, but that gives you the... Gives you a lot inspiration. of confidence. Yeah, yeah. confidence. Confidence yeah. that yeah. you can... They can do it. You've kind of been there, yeah. so you can go back there. Yeah, so you put yourself in that, yeah. that position. What's the worst thing that can mm -hmm. happen if I do this? I often do that when I've got a problem coming along or, you know, there's a big challenge and I'm really worrying about it and I just sit down and just think to myself, yeah, what is actually the worst position? Mm -hmm. What is the fallback position? It's never that bad. There's another thing. I think we've gone over the three, but um, uh, there's another thing. Is <laughs> Keep going. Stand still yeah. and think. Do not panic. Yeah. Stand still and think. And if you, if you have to, if you've got a problem, and then you clear your desk and you do one thing at a time, and then what's the most essential thing? And if you've got people around you, you have to organise those people. I was told you should be the first to engage when you are the boss and the last to, and last to disengage. Well, I disagreed with that totally. I was the last to engage because I used to make sure that everybody else is doing their mm. jobs. And I was the first to disengage because I'd be the last, I'd give them all jobs and then go and help them and then back away and make sure that the time and emotion was working right and they was doing the right jobs and then go back in and then come away. So another thing is to be very, very flexible, but be able to stand still and view the whole scene from the, um, you're good, because you're a helicopter pilot, aren't you? You, like you're above and you can view the whole scene. So that's what you have to do in business. Stand back, think, and view the whole scene and see where you're going to spin the plates. So it's a bit like the one minute manager, isn't it? Where you, you've got the task, you, you, you give it to somebody and you just trust them to get on with it. But you just, you, you, you oversee the whole thing rather than actually doing the doing, rather than being the technician or the... See, know. in a way, yes and no. But I, um, I'm a micromanager. So I would take that person and I'd micromanage them manage them they would work with me and I would see how each manager is getting on with their job and I would teach them and when they're ready and only ready I'd let them go and and I would tell them that whatever mistakes you make it's me it's my mistake not theirs and so therefore I would never throw anybody into a situation and say that's the remit get on with it because they're going to be inefficient, I feel, they're going to be inefficient if they don't know how to do the job, and they're going to make mistakes, and time is money, and we've only got so much time to develop a business and to run with it and then sell it or, or expand it. So I would micromanage these people until they could manage themselves, and then I would teach them to micromanage how I'd done it with their people until they can get... Uh, competent at it um, but always say to their people if you make a mistake don't worry about it because it's my mistake and by the way and then actually it's Neville's mistake so with giving people that is my responsibility they're more confident to go out on the limb and make their own decisions but they own those decisions because they know ultimately it's my mistake and they don't want me to make a mistake so if you can understand that uh, it is a process that I've used over and over again for 40 years, 
and it's and it's worked that's interesting yeah it's really interesting and um, I suppose when when staff really feel empowered and they feel that you are you know enabling them to the, the freedom to make decisions and, and not live in fear then they start producing the best results they do yeah when when they're not afraid to make decisions because they know I'm not going to uh, have a go at them they're not going to get fired they're not uh, you know there is there's that element and there's always an element of risk that things won't go right but they I've taken that fear away from them and then they go on to be more responsible productive people that's interested in their job and they become part of the framework yeah that's an interesting way of putting it part of the framework yeah that's uh, and part of the vision part of the journey yeah part of the culture mm. yeah that's really important stuff isn't it really important stuff so give me an interesting thing about Neville that um, that, that nobody knows something that, that you do or you have or something just, just so weird or whatever um, it is so, well, there's there's a couple of things, I suppose, really, think you're just thinking off the top of my head. Somebody said to me the other day, all you think about is money. There's more in life than money. And that could be... That's 180 degrees different to what I actually think. Because you have to... If you don't think about money and don't create money and create wealth and have money, there's not a lot you can do for um, for people. There isn't. So um, that's, that's one thing, that there's a perception that rich people only think about money when it's probably the last thing they think about. But when you're talking, it comes across as you only think about money because you're saying, well, you could do this, you could do that, you could remortgage your house. You could get... If they say we're hard up and we haven't got any money and we can't go on holiday, and you go, but your house is worth 600000 and it's paid for. Why don't you remortgage it and then get some... You know, and so there's that kind of feeling that people with money only think about money. But there's another probably interesting thing that um, people don't know, and, they, and if I tell them, they think I'm mad um, because I, I, um, I, I believe in um, your star sign. I'm a Gemini. My... Um, my wife will say, yes, he's definitely a Gemini. There's definitely two, two of him. And, uh, you know, she thinks that's great because I work twice as hard as <laughs> probably she imagines. But I do. I read, this, I read my stars, not every day or sometimes. Um, and I act on them. Do you? Yeah, very, yeah. And I've done some really, really good deals. Based on what that tells you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can read into it. I know a lot of people go well it can mean anything yeah, yeah. yeah it can and and every so often you can uh, you can be in a dilemma mm-hmm. and he says go with your gut feeling well yeah. that could be anything but but it actually reminds you and tells you you can go with your gut feeling yeah. and everything will be all right yeah. and of course everything is all right because when you do go with your gut feeling you know you've gone the right way it's usually right. but when you're dithering yeah and you're not sure and you're procrastinating so um yeah, I like uh, I like the horoscopes. Yeah. I don't know why they call it horoscopes. Right. I, I like the stars, yeah. and um, I have acted many, many, many times on those, whether it is in um, all different aspects of life. Well, that's quite interesting. I've certainly taken something from that because that's not something that I've ever looked towards to help me in my decision making. But I, I'll um, I'll be I'll be reading more of those for sure. From, from now on yeah it's, it's a bit weird for me because I'm like a left brain thinker and that's right in the right hand side so yeah it just just takes a bit, bit more for me to get my head around stuff yeah. like that but uh, yeah yeah. I remember once it says swallow your pride and uh, there was a, a falling out of uh, I fell out with somebody and um, there was no way on this earth I was going to go back and say I'm sorry or whatever because it wasn't my fault anyway <laughs> yeah. but I tell you what yeah. I did that day I went and I, and, um, I said um, I'm sorry uh, and I, I don't like this situation and the person had left my employment and gone somewhere else and they said oh, I don't like it here I said would you come back and they said I'll be back there tomorrow morning really? 9 o'clock <laughs> yeah. 9 o'clock they yeah. give up their 
two weeks in hand money yeah. or whatever it was yeah. and come back that yeah. next morning yeah. so you know these yeah that was <laughs> through just yeah. through that yeah yes. I, could, I could cite loads and loads of stuff yeah good well you've got a you've got a lifetime of experience (laughs) building businesses haven't you and and, you know investing and you know it's such valuable stuff thank you very much talk to you all day about it that's very nice of you thank you you know i really could you know because i just feel like i'd learn so much and so where could people learn more about you neville what could they do to understand neville better well i i did uh, start a website nevillewright.com it does need updating i need somebody to do it actually but it's uh nevillewright.com really and so most of your 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 kind of what i know some of your property projects are on there and some of the businesses you've invested in yes yeah but it does need updating because things go so quick yeah it does and uh and you've got your book coming out shortly is that going on amazon yes yeah yes just remind us of the title the answer is yes now what's the question the answer is yes now what's the question brilliant so uh, yeah, I look forward to, to 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 reading that once um, yeah once it comes out. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Neville. Really appreciate your time. I know you you're extremely busy. That was uh, Mark Homer for Mark My Words. Hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, tune in for my next podcast very very shortly.